From New York City, welcome to Mark to Markets. I'm your host, Mark Penziner. On this podcast, we discuss topics near and far from personal finance. Any questions or comments, I can be reached at mark.penziner at bernstein.com or call me directly at 212-969-6655. As you know, I try and balance these podcasts between very market-related investing topics and also some broader financial planning issues. And in this market, it's so easy to get caught up in the day-to-day moves, the volatility, worries about inflation, all of it. And I think sometimes it's best to step back and try and think really big picture. So that's what we're going to do today. And and one of the challenge many of our clients wrestle with is is how they think about their money, especially in the context of their family, children, grandchildren, et cetera. We've coined, but it's often called um, family engagement as a bit of a catch-all phrase. And Bernstein has a whole department focused on family engagement. And to learn more today about what family engagement is and how we think about it, I've asked Ann Bucciarelli, a director in Bernstein's Wealth Management Research Group, and specifically in the Family Engagement Services team, to join the podcast. And thanks for joining. Absolutely, Mark. Good to be here. And so a very broad first question, maybe too naive, but what is or how do you think about family engagement? Sure. No, I, I think that's oftentimes the million dollar question. Um, because I do think, Mark, to your point, it does span across um, all of the facets of uh, Bernstein of the clients that we work with. So I think about family engagement as the why. So what is it all for? Why are we, why are we doing this? Why are, we, why, why are your clients speaking to you? What are they hoping to achieve? And what's the best way that we can position them to achieve that? So you might reply to that and say, okay, but what does that mean? So what we found in decades of working um, with our clients, so Mark, going back to the days where you and I were just starting out at Bernstein, but leading all the way up to today is that when we sit with our clients who are navigating some of the complexities of life, of their business, of their stock options that they're sitting on, that oftentimes when we ask those families who are successful, those individuals who are successful, what's keeping you up at night? The answer isn't always something that's technical. It isn't always, you know, how does what's going on in the market really impact my long-term probability of success or now, putting together an estate plan, should it be this type of trust or that type of trust that I should put in place? I am not discounting the fact that all of those are very important questions that have to be answered, and we spend a lot of our time, you and I, answering them and helping clients navigate them. But what are the things that are thornier that tend to keep people up at night, whether it's a concern or honestly something that's really exciting and an opportunity, are the things like, I'm doing all of this work to build this estate plan, but I don't want to communicate it in the wrong way and somehow demotivate my kids. Or I've seen other families go through the business succession process and some do it really well and some the entire business has broken up and there has been a bad outcome that's come out of it. How how do I navigate this? And I think um, those are the things that in family engagement, we really focus on understanding, you know, what are the goals? What are the values and the guiding principles and the things that truly matter to our clients? And then what are they hoping to achieve and how can we help facilitate important conversations, provide education, provide governance structures that pair with the technical and the investment advice to put, you know, really the best plan together for success for that client. I hope I'm not oversimplifying this, but Mm -hmm. as you describe that, it almost sounds like therapy for you and your money. Is that (laughs) 
and, and am I crazy in hearing it that way? Or is there some strand of truth to how I'm describing that? Yeah, no, listen, I've, I've often been accused of, uh, of being a therapist. I am not a therapist. Um, and so there, you know, there, there are, of course, um, you know, some families that very much are working with, uh, with a family therapist to, to navigate, um, you know, again, whether it's a challenging situation or a very positive situation, and they actually need, they actually need, you know, psychologists or, or therapy to, to process that. Um, but you're absolutely right in the sense that, you know, we are coming in, I, I am when I'm, you know, coming into an engagement meeting, I'm there to learn, I'm there to ask questions, I'm there to understand, you know, when you, when you initially had this idea to form your family foundation five years ago, why did you do it? And where are you today? And where do you hope to be in the future? And walk me through, walk me through that evolution. Um, but a lot of times, you know, what I found, and I'll, I'll, I'll just be, you know, very honest, and Mark, you've known me for a long time, so this probably won't surprise you. There are, you know, there are some people that, whether you call it wearing your heart on the on your sleeve or very easy to open up and, and talk about things. And there are a lot of us, myself included, that grew up in the house of we don't talk about money. And it can be really hard to open up about some of the conversations around money or around values and, and, and where I want to go next and what I want to make sure happens with my family and what I don't. And so what we have done, and I, that's why I laugh and say I've been accused of being a therapist, is we ask a lot of questions and we do a lot of exercises to make that an easier conversation to navigate for clients so that they can open up honestly about the things that are truly on their mind without, you know, fear of judgment or, or asking the wrong question. And a lot of times, Mark, what I'm doing as well in those meetings um, and conversations is also sharing insights from other individuals and families that have navigated the same exact thing. And how have they approached um, that problem or that opportunity. And, and I think that ability to not only share and educate what has worked well from our experience uh, and from our firm, but to make it easy for people to open up, to let down the wall a little bit, but to also say, you're not alone in this. There are other families that are navigating similar things. And here's, here's some things to consider. Um, so I, I don't, I chuckle because I, even though I'm not a therapist, I, I absolutely can see the, uh, the uh, connection there. I wrote down the word why as you were speaking, because it made me think you must ask a lot of questions. And, and then I, I think you explained that well, but you also brought up the word um, exercises, that there are exercises you'll do with families or clients or investors to, to help facilitate this process. I'm wondering if you could share some light on, on what you mean by exercises. Yeah, so um, so we've developed on our family engagement team a series of exercises that span across a lot of topics from um, what are the biggest priorities that are on your mind right now, things that you want to achieve or make progress on over the next you know year, three years, five years, 10 years. Um, we have exercises that help um, kind of pull out what are the guiding principles or values that, that um, our clients consider to be a core value and important in their life. Um, we have philanthropy exercises that really start to dig into what are the causes that are most important? How do the values that you care about stack up and align and inform the causes that you're supporting, the locations where you're giving, and even the reasons for why you're you know, being philanthropic and giving in the first place. Um, and we even have an exercise, I'm not naming all of them, just a few of them, um, that really starts to uncover in a, um, I guess in an, easier to navigate way than just, you know, asking someone point blank. So 
what are your views on wealth, which is a bit of a loaded question. And arguably my response would be, well, tell me more. What exactly are you, are you trying to my, ask? How do you, how mine do you want would be, I like it. Mine would be, I like it. I'm not sure <laughs> that's a great answer. I like yeah, no, exactly. Like, I like it. I'd like to keep more. I'd like to grow it. I'd like to protect right. it. Exactly. But right. it's so broad where you're like, what, what are, why are we even entertaining this conversation? Like, to what end? And so I think we, you know, but, you know, the, the sort of behind the curtain of an exercise that starts to, to uncover the answer to that question is how we were raised and, and grew up and the messages that we heard verbally that you know, the behaviors that we saw by our parents, our grandparents, important people in our life around money and wealth and values really leave an imprint. Um, and they inform the way that we think about wealth and decision-making today. And for some of us, it's very much a continuation of something that has worked really well that we saw modeling. For some, people, some of us would say like, actually that didn't serve me well. I understand why my parents did it, but it actually doesn't serve me. Um, and so I want to go in a different direction. We do all of this though, Mark, to say, you know, not again, not everyone is sort of willing or even knows where to start. And for many of us have never even been asked the question. So it can be challenging to articulate these things that fundamentally make us tick. But what we know um, is that, you know, when we, when we, so, so you and I, ask these questions, we do a few things. We start to build hopefully awareness um, in the person that we're talking about, uh, talking with. So awareness of, wow, yes, I, I actually feel really strongly about these three things. And I, I really wanna make sure that my family is able to achieve this. And you know, for instance, um, recognition in my charitable giving really isn't important to me. That, that's actually, I don't, I, I don't want my name on a building, for instance. That, that's really important information, Mark, for you and I to know, to be able to talk through strategies, to talk through how that philanthropic plan can be optimized, how we can get family members involved, whatever our client's goal is. But it also starts to build, I said, awareness because it starts to kind of pull things from the back of that person's mind that has maybe always been hidden in there. It kind of makes them tick, but they don't talk about it a lot. But sometimes it's also, huh, that's actually, it's an, an excellent question. I need to figure it out, but I actually have no idea what the answer is, but I need to think about it. So I think building that, you know, awareness where someone can say, oh, okay, um, I've, no one's ever asked me that question. It actually forced me to think, making it easier for them to do it. And then, you know, selfishly, you know, from my seat here, it allows me, quite frankly, I know how busy my life is. I know how busy the people that we work with, everyone's lives are so busy. It allows me to say, how can I add and maximize the value in the conversations that I'm having and also not bother with talks about strategies or market situations, et cetera, that are not adding value to this person because they're really focused on something else. So I like to think of it as how can we how can we kind of talk about and add value in the meaningful areas and then not, you know, sort of spend time going down roads that aren't going to serve the people that we're working with. You you referenced the notion of lessons one got from their parents or their families, but it made me think in the other direction of, of children and grandchildren and, mm -hmm. and what you want to teach the future generations. In in the family engagement process, do you bring into the conversation, I'm sure it depends on the age of, of children and grandchildren, but, but do you yeah. actually talk directly to children or grandchildren of clients? We do. And it, as you can imagine, it looks different depending on, you know, the various families that we're, we're working with, just depending on, are we talking just with the grandkids? 
you know, on their own and doing a dedicated session with them. Maybe we're all sitting around the table doing a multi-generational family meeting where we're talking about the values that are important to everyone around the table and where are their shared and overlapping values and where are their sort of unique ones that can be um, uncovered and, and respected, but we can also highlight, you know, areas where we have shared values as a family. Um, and so, um, yeah, I mean, I think that, I think that we really structure it to, to fit the needs of the family, but oftentimes, Mark, it's so critically important what, what you said is it's not just what was my experience, you know, growing up or what were some of the things that are important to me, but also what is really important for me to share with my other family members at what time? Um, so maybe it's not appropriate to be sharing trusts that are established and the dollar amounts invested, but we want to start providing education so that kids and grandkids can be successful stewards of the wealth going forward. You know, that could very well be a family meeting where we talk about some values um, and expectations. And you're, you're providing basically a perfect segue because I, I wrote down, I keep taking notes as you're talking, education. And yeah. so when you're talking to the next generation, and that the next generation could be 40 years old, it could be 20 years old, who knows? Right. Maybe the better way to say it is people with across a family have very, potentially have very different knowledges or knowledge bases about the markets and trust planning and tax planning, right? I mean, it could be all over yeah. the board. Um, so is a portion of the work of your team to educate, you know, forget even values yeah. like finance 101 or trust in estate yeah. 101, just so that everyone can get up to speed to have these conversations? Because I would assume it could be highly intimidating, the language that, you know, us and attorneys talk about money. Totally. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head. And honestly, for a lot of families, um, you know, the starting point might be putting together some education sessions with their, you know, teenage kids, with their 30-something-year-old kids who are starting to come into, you know, some trust distributions or not, or maybe they're selling the family business or thinking about it. Um, and so I think, as you said, um, you know, this can really, this conversation and education can occur at really any age and at any generation that's existing in the family. But a lot of times it comes down to, okay, a fear that we have is X. And often one of the most common X's that I hear is how do I make sure that my kids are able to make their way in the world and they're not demotivated. And, um, you know, they kind of go out into the world and they achieve what, what they want to achieve, but they don't sort of like rely on the assistance that might be coming you know, from our support or from, you know, the trust that we funded or, or whatever that is, or I want to set expectations for, you know, what that looks like and what it doesn't look like for our family. Um, it can be a really challenging thing for a lot of families to navigate, like how exactly to, to talk about that. So as I said before, we, we oftentimes are facilitating um, family meetings or helping, you know, shed some light on some ways and techniques that you can start to have those conversations. But a lot of times, a starting point can be, all right, let's actually go through a financial literacy course. Let's put together, whether it's one class or a series of classes that starts to go through behavioral finance and how we make decisions and how our brains are wired and link that to what's a stock, what's a bond, what are our alternative investments. Um, we do um, classes around trust. You know, what's a trust? How can we start from perhaps an earlier age frame the trust in the way that oftentimes trusts are used to be protective, to help make sure that those assets are there for the beneficiaries. Um, and, and to start um, talking about, you know, how it's structured and maybe how it's allocated. Um, and again, for some families, they might choose to talk about 
what the dollars are that are in that trust. And many others say, we're not ready to have that conversation. So I think, Mark, you can do a lot of education across the markets, across philanthropy, across trust and estate planning. Our kids are on the eve probably of getting married in the next, you know, five or seven years. What are some sound, you know, financial things that they should be thinking of? We can have those conversations and put together education programs. And that's oftentimes a great segue into at some point having a meeting where we're going deeper into values or sharing information um, with those family members. You talked about the notion that you can talk about to a family about other experiences, other families you've worked with has had. So, so your team's working yeah. with, you know, the 200 or so advisors across the country and, and the subset of their clients that, that need this type of engagement. We have to be very careful about privacy in, in what we do. Yeah. But, but that said, do, do, does, does your team provide opportunities for um, families to meet each other, whether that's through a seminar yeah. or an event or, you know, a one-on-one where you say, look, I, you're going through something I heard a family's going through in Seattle or in LA or in London or, yeah. or wherever. And, and if it's comfortable with you and them, I think maybe you should talk about it because you're having the same, you know, um, two kids and neither wants the business situation or whatever that might right. be. So is there, right. is there an opportunity for, for, because if it's a family and a lot of people don't talk about money, right. It, so it's hard, but if there's an opportunity to talk to like a stranger, right. Who, who yeah. is in the same situation, but isn't in their social circle. Um, and they can have this sort of really frank discussion. D- does, does your team provide those types of connections? Yeah. Yeah, we do. And we do it in a variety of ways. So a really easy way that we can always do is, you know, I can just share, here are some things that, you know, you brought to mind a family that I'm working with. Here's something that they're navigating, right? I'm not saying their names. I'm not talking about what state they live in or anything that would remotely reveal, but I'm talking in broad strokes of they're going through something similar. And here are some of the ways that we're working with them or some of the things that they tried that didn't work so well and some things that did. So sometimes it's even just the family engagement team sharing insights and, and stories of stories of learning, stories of success, um, to to help you know provide some insight and some case studies. Um, but there's other ways. So sometimes again, like like you mentioned, I might be sitting there saying, "Wow, I have a family that is in a similar um, industry. They're both kind of focused on: Are we going to keep the business? Are we not? Maybe they're thinking about." Um, their estate planning, or maybe they're thinking about putting a family office in place, whatever the issue is. And I might say, you know what, we're actually working with someone, they're navigating a similar thing. I actually think this would be mutually beneficial, but let me, let me actually check with this family and see if they're open to connecting. And oftentimes, you know, they are. um, And so we can help facilitate um, sort of that, that meet and greet, if you will. And, um, you know, sometimes it's, it's really just an introduction and then, you know, sort of off it goes. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, a meeting that we're facilitating together. And, and that, yeah, so it really just kind of depends on uh, the nature of what's needed. But then another thing that we do is we do events, um, summits and forums across the country where we actually put together groups, of, whether it's groups of entrepreneurs or groups of women or groups of multi-generational families, groups of philanthropists, um, where we're really um, kind of curating a small intimate group where uh, these individuals can come for a day or a few days. Um, it really kind of depends on the length. You know, we design them in a lot of different ways to meet the needs of the people that are attending. But, you know, for them to basically, as you said, kind of come somewhere, 
have the anonymity to say I'm sort of with a group of strangers that I've never met. I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm not a person that opens up easily, but sometimes you find yourself opening up to a stranger and you're thinking, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm talking about these things that I probably haven't talked about with my family, but it feels right talking about it with this person who understands my point of view and maybe has navigated it before and that that can feel you know safe and secure. And so the idea, Mark, is that we're creating an environment where people can come and kind of let down their walls, be able to learn and share experiences with other people, quote unquote, like them. That's probably the number one question that I get, which is what are other people like me doing, which of course is a loaded question because um, everyone's different. But the ability to be able to say, hey, here's something that's really on my mind that I'm navigating, my family's navigating, our business is navigating, and being able to hear someone say, hey, you know what, us too. Here's here's kind of some of the solutions we're coming up with. Or uh, we went through that five years ago with our daughter, and here's what worked, and here's what didn't. And so oftentimes, Mark, um, we ask everyone sort of post those events, you know, are you okay with sharing your information with everyone else? And you know, I would say like 9.9 out of 10 times, everyone shares their information. And then, you know, those relationships kind of continue uh, both facilitated by Bernstein, but also kind of on their own organically after that event. So I think that there's a real power, uh, you know, wealth can be isolating um, sometimes because you don't know who, who you can talk to about some of the challenges or things that are on your mind. Um, but we try, to, we try to curate connections, events, and even just share stories protecting confidentiality where we think it's helpful for other people to gain more perspective and to build relationships. This has been incredibly helpful. My, my last question, Anne, is mm -hmm. a client or an investor or a family in this situation also is getting legal advice and accounting advice and you know financial planning, trust planning, investment advice, stocks, bonds. Um, are you doing this concurrent to that? Do you, do you start there and then come to family engagement? Do you start with family engagement? Does it matter? You know, or is this just one of the, the pieces of the puzzle? How do you think yeah. about this interacting with all those other disciplines? First of all, I think what we call engagement, just really having these you know, conversations, getting to know someone and what's important to them spans across everything. And I think there's never a wrong time to start it. Earlier is always better if you can. But what you know, we've learned is that you know, sometimes these conversations take, take some timing. It take, there's a curing process sometimes where... You know, people have got other things that are on their plate that really require attention. Um, and, you know, so sometimes even if we would love to start having these conversations because we know that it would um, add value and it would be able to inform some of the decisions, you know, we might only be like dipping a toe in the water. But I think, you know, when I think about someone going through the estate planning process, whether it's because they're selling a business or they're just going through that, that process because, um, because they need to, um, there's so much around what's important to me. What are my values? What are my philanthropic concerns? How do I think about the relationships in my family and how that factors in, you know, what's the, you know, who's potentially inheriting assets out of my estate and who, who do I want to make decisions on their behalf? And what is the timing of distributions look like? All of these questions that, listen, attorneys have formulas and we pay them to be able to craft these documents for us, but they can't answer all the questions like who's going to make decisions on your behalf and when do you want these trusts to distribute? They can share what some of the options are or what, you know, they often recommend, but ultimately, you know, those are conversations that, you know, kind of going down the family engagement path of just uncovering, you know, what, what feels comfortable, what feels uncomfortable, what are some conversations that you might need to have in advance of, you know, kind of signing all those documents, I think really goes hand in hand. And I think, um, 
you know, I've personally talked to, for instance, I'll just keep picking on, you know, trust in the states. I've talked to a lot of trust in the state attorneys that I would love if, I would love if I could do part of this for my job. But frankly, you know, oftentimes I'm, you know, I'm paid on the clock and I'm being paid to draft the document. I'm not being paid to talk about the governance or the communication or, or some of these other things. So it's fantastic to be able to do that concurrently because it informs the process so much. So I think there's never, it's never too late to start to have the conversations. I think that you can dip a toe in. I think the one thing that we will say hands down that is like universal, maybe I can leave with this, is that um, it's never too early to start. You can certainly you can certainly check other things off the box and get them going and then kind of circle back to engagement. Um, but I think that the one thing that we know is often not a good outcome, which is why engagement um, and having these conversations is really important, is when something unexpected happens. Um, so there's an unexpected death. Everyone gets called into, you know, you sort of see the movie scene playing out. They get called into the office to hear the will and there's information in there that hasn't been shared. And I just think, you know, all of us that are listening to this, you know, during times of grief or um, strife or whatever we're going through is probably not the times that we're all making the best decisions because it's a really hard time that we're going through. And so I think we've seen a lot of families that have multi-generational wealth or built a business and sold it or, you know, or still have the family business and it starts to crumble because of family conflict. And sometimes conflict can't be avoided, but I think having these conversations even um, like I said, dipping a toe in and starting to set some expectations, the likelihood that you can at least lower the likely, you know, the percentage that that type of scenario will unfold. You know, anything that can kind of take that probability further and further down where, you know, your family doesn't have conflict or, um, you know, the better. So that's why I say it's, it's never too early and you can start small. You don't have to go all in. And for a lot of families, they do start small. And this was super helpful. I, I really appreciate the time. I think people are going to get a lot from this. So thanks for joining. Awesome. My pleasure. To our listeners, feel free to email me at mark.penzer at bernstein.com or call me at, nine, at 917, not true at all, 212-969-6655 for any questions or comments on this podcast or any other related topic. And make sure to like or review this podcast wherever you listen to it. Until next time.